Alrighty, hello and welcome back to the Creedcast. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I was with you all, so I apologise for that. Um, anyone that follows on their socials, I think, probably saw... I think sometime after my Texas weekend, I... You know, a few days after that. I, I mean, I came... I came home pre reasonably sick for a few days after that weekend, which is probably my own doing. Um, it's a mixture of... I don't know if anyone else has the same thing, and I, but I, I feel like I talk, I've talked to enough people that experience it similar to me that would under, so you'd probably understand this. Like whenever you go through a major quick change, and you know when seasonal change always brings on some allergies and that little bit of fatigue and minor sickness for me, and then when I travel as well, and it's not because I'm catching bugs, it's just like being in the like I always get congested when I'm on flights. Um, and then, you know, if you go to a different place, so the, the climate's slightly different, um, as a, I don't know, LA and Texas are both hot, but they're different, there's a different kind of climate and stuff down there, and, uh, um, like the full day down in Texas for the, the college football game, which was a hell of a lot of fun, by the way, um, had a great time, um, the Ducks got away with a win, um, a very, very exciting game there in the fourth quarter that, down there at Texas Tech as well, um, and, but, you know, the day, like, I, we, we all talked to each other the next day as we got coffee before we went our separate ways. You know, I had to stay a few more hours than they did with their f- my mates. Their, their flights back up to Oregon. I was flying back to Los Angeles, so we had different connecting flights and all that. I ended up going to a brewery for four hours and getting ripped drunk, um, which was questionable for catching flights uh, from Texas to California because I was, I was just bantering with security guards just irresponsibly but they were that far they were laughing they saw my ID and saw I was Australian and I think they kind of expected that behavior um but the day before it was so hot at the game um and the next morning again going rambling again going back to what we catching up the next morning we all just said to each other we're like we feel fine we have no hangover and we just all agreed that we must have just as fast as we were drinking, and we were, you know, we were drinking water and trying to be responsible as mid-30s degenerates, um, but we re- we just don't think we actually got drunk enough to have a hangover the day before, despite probably, I mean, I had probably 12 to 15 beers the day before for over a few hours, um, not like a, a whole lot, but just enough that usually I'd feel some kind of effect of it, and I just didn't, so that's Texas, West Texas, heat um if you're i'm a you know big movie fan as well if you know the movies like you know a country for old men and hell or high water and those kind of films you know friday night lights were just an hour or so north of um that that area from you know odessa and midland and all that stuff um i actually had the my sports brain was almost thinking about trying to find out where the uh the permian panthers were uh were were playing um on the friday night but that wasn't going to work out but it was a great weekend, but unfortunately, as I said, I came back quite sick, um, and uh, and so um, I watched the Brisbane game while I was down there. Um, uh, it was I don't know, like four a.m. of the game day, game day, so I had a very long game day as well for the the Oregon game because I got up at four a.m. to watch watch Port play, um, and then got around the uh, tailgates and all that. Um, so it was a disappointing loss that one, and I came back and just and I was sick, and I was just like, all right, you know put it out there i'll just record next week um we hopefully previewing a prelim final and unfortunately that didn't happen um no disappointing exit to gws as well so i'm just gonna probably talk for the next 20 minutes or so on this episode particularly about that um i'm gonna do another episode about the aflw the last couple of weeks um again that would be a short one um i'm still struggling with something at the moment i was just it's seasonal change and 
been quite busy. My wife's got a new job, which means she's been working from home a little bit more. Um, big, good pay increase is going to allow us to get our own place down here in Los Angeles finally and, and all that stuff uh, pretty soon, which will help my schedule as well because it's been the problem has been with recording as well as just the schedules all over the place. And when I have time alone uh, to be able to record, has actually been all over the place, and you know it's just hard to hard to nail it down. So that's also been a factor in the quietness for the past couple of weeks as well as just um, my fatigue from everything going on the last couple of weeks. We lost a family member, um, so that, that was all happening as well before my trip. Um, yeah, it's been a hell of a month, but um, all good apart from the apart from the footy <laughs> in the end. Um, before I get too much into it. Uh, you will see if you're um, if you use Twitter or Instagram. Uh, once you listen to this podcast, there will be a link in both of the bios there now for a link tree for us or me, I guess. Um, there'll be there's just have all the social links in there um, as well as uh, there'll be a link to um, a buy me a coffee page. Which if you're aware of that, that's just pretty much just a donation to m- me and this little enterprise it's just a just a straight up donation it's called buy me a coffee so to speak because you can just buy a buy a creator a coffee um you can donate i think it does it in increments of fives i think i've set it for australian dollars so if you're an american it'll be a really good deal (laughs) um you can or you can just donate a bit more Uh, the exchange rate's fucking shit for australians right now um but yeah it's uh just a something to help help with the costs of running this podcast it cost me um I mean, between uh, my membership, which, as people know, I was donating the tickets uh, for donations um, all year for the donations to the Finlayson family, and I kind of want to continue that in the future. So I can't do that without some some kind of income as well. Um, And just don't. And then there's monthly running costs of the podcast hosting website. Any creators know this. There's all these little costs that just add up. the hosting website, the, uh, the the podcast hosting website, the hosting website for the web store, which I'll get to in a sec, uh, as well as just um, I've got I don't have much of my recording gear that I used to have in Australia, which is why it's pretty much just been me talking rather than a bunch of other stuff um, happening going on. And while I can do post editing and stuff like that, it's just so much more time consuming than doing everything you know with the way I used to do it. Um, so I'm looking to upgrade the equipment here in America over the next um, six months. Um, so there's different things like that. It's not like I'm asking you to pay, but it's if you enjoy it, if you enjoy what I do here and, and whatever, and you want to, in quotes, buy me a coffee, there's a link there. It's just a simple donation thing. But again, not expecting that at all. Um, it's just there for anyone that feels um, inclined to do so. Um, and, you know, it'll come with much appreciation. I don't know how it works because I've never, I've, um, if it, you know, gives you, if it gives you the option to say who it was from and whatever, I think it will, uh, then I'll, I'll give you a shout out in the podcast, obviously as well. Not that that's any reason to do something. It's just that that'll be my appreciation. And, you know, I know a lot of people that listen regularly and I appreciate their support as well. Also in that link tree will be, um, another way of me trying to supplement things going on. Um, is I'm trying, I've finally found a way to make a web store, while I'm, you know, traveling a bit and all that stuff, I don't have a set base for merchandising and stuff like that. But I do want to have just fun designs out there in the world and just something I'm get, having a crack at, I guess. Uh, so there's a web store there as well, um, which you'll see um, for those listening that won't don't want to do the link tree thing. It's just going to be thecreed.bigcartel.com. So that's the creed, one word, um, the creed dot big cartel, B-I-G-C-A-R-T-E-L dot com. 
Um, and there'll be, I think there's six shirts there available at the moment, or five shirts and a hoodie, I think. I've got a few designs that are hidden at the moment as I'm trying to tweak things and, and all that stuff at the moment as well. So there'll be more coming there. Um, one of the shirts is a Gavin Wanganeen, um, the iconic celebration from the 04 Grand Final. Um, that's got a, all of the shirts have the our logo on the just on the base of the back of the neck. Um, and then any any I'm going to re- release a few designs over the next few months, kind of celebrating since it's twenty almost twenty years since the 04 Grand Final. Uh, be a few designs celebrating that. Um, and they're popping up on the store there in the next few months. Uh, that Wanganin one's the first one. That's just one I did a while ago, and I just love it. And this is one of my favorite images: is him arms raised, wheeling away from goal after he kicks one of his bag of four. Um, I think it's just one of the most endear, um, you know, one of the great images of our modern history. I think so. Um, that's there. There's a rosy shirt. There's a oh God, I shouldn't be blanking on it right now, but I'm, I am tired. Uh, there's a Lockie Jones flying mullet shirt. There's a rosy hoodie as well, um, and a Ro- oh, the Robbie Gray one. That's the one. Uh, there's a Robbie Great. Uh, it's a Robbie Great shirt. It's slightly. It's a five dollars more than the rest of them because it actually has a printing. I've put the commentary. Uh, printed on the back from his iconic goal in that 2020 COVID season. Um, that's on there as well. I think there's an unbeatable at Alvin and Shed on there as well. So I've done a few. Um, it's all designs. I mean, it's not like, you know, they're all from images, but I've, you know, done the done the uh, line drawing all that myself and, and put them on a shirt. So, um, yeah. So just, I'm not much of a graphic designer or anything like that, or I can't, I can't draw for shit anyway. But if I can go off of something um, and then and then color in, uh, I, it works out okay. <laughs> so um, that's that's there. Um, and for those listening to the podcast, um, use the code launch fifteen. Um, that'll get you fifteen percent off uh, for the next week. I'm going to set it for roughly a week now. Just be be aware that um, I'm in Los Angeles. I think the store setting is for California uh, Adelaide time, but just you know, if you listen to this on Friday, just get your order in before next um, next uh, Thursday, I guess. So you'd be sure to use it if you're looking to use it, because um, I can't, you know, working out when the, the, the exact code will finish. It'll be there for seven days, but I'd get your order in in the first five days just to be sure. Um, that's about it on the announcement front. Yeah. I guess we get into talking about finals. I don't. I just at this point, it's all been talked about. But I'll just give my overall. I'm not going to dissect the games too deeply, to be honest, because I feel like that's been done to death. And uh, I know I'm a couple of weeks late on it now. But just talk about my overall feelings about how it's all gone and, and kind of the dialogue afterwards, and and looking forward to the future. It's a massive frustration to have the season that was so promising at one point. It was also frustrating at many points this season as well. Some high-profile, whatever, um, media, you know, punditry about future of coaches and whatnot. And I'm not commenting either way on that right now. Um, well, we'll I talk about it a bit in a bit. But um, it was a familiar end, though. Um, I'll do next week. I'm planning to kind of run through the list our list of players and, and kind of review the season more in depth overall like maybe player ratings or something like that I'm still trying to work out the format but that's what I've been working on a little bit this week as well as just kind of working out a proper review from my point of view next week that'll be a longer episode um, so look out for that this is just thoughts on purely our exit and everything that's gone on with that um, Brisbane was a uh, frustrating match for I kind of mentioned uh, I think on Twitter um, I mean, you know, we were 
not in it, and then we were in it, and we had that really nice, that, that flurry of goals that got us ahead towards the end of uh, the first half. But then it's a classic Port thing over the years, um, especially the last five, six years. It feels like junk time goals. Um, you know, there's goals in, in time on in the, in the at the end of a quarter, right when we seem to kind of have a little bit of momentum, we let it get snatched back from us. Um, you know, teams, what, what people have got to understand is, opposition teams have modes they go to as well they switch through they click through gears as well and when they you know when when things are happening like that they're gonna ha- they're gonna throw some punches as well and that and and you know i understand that but what we've got to do as a team is what the good teams do is they withstand those punches maybe a goal gets through but it's not three or four in quick succession and that's what we unfortunately seem to let up at times at important times is just whatever the lead may be or wherever it may be, um, we'll let through enough goals that it, it will snatch the, you know, it's not just one and then we're, we're holding the line a little bit and they get a couple of points or whatever. Um, in the big matches, the important matches, it always seems to go this way. And, you know, that's going to be, you know, some people will look to it and, you know, it says that happens to other teams, but it does. But the good teams, the ones that are winning premierships, withstand that. And that's, that's kind of the difference between us and the two teams that are in the grand final even. A couple of the teams that got their way through to the prelims, um, you know, in Colton and GWS, who um, you know put up a fairly fairly bloody good fight too, and you know, GWS could have could have easily made the grand final um, and possibly won it. And, you know, GWS's run this year almost is almost reminiscent of us uh, in 2014. You know, they just missed out in that grand final by by under a kick and. Um, you know, and it's maybe the harder path you take through, but really they they deserve to right be right in it, and they were in it, and very easily could have won. Carlton um, got out to a hot start against Brizzy, uh, obviously uh, fell away, and Brizzy got over the top of him in the end. But um, again, two teams that found form and found belief and found a you know run and carry and and all that stuff that uh, you know and a, and a freedom of a freedom of will and play. Um, and that's something that I commented on mid-season. I thought we had, we really were kind of seemed like we'd let the reins loose a little bit on on the likes of Butters and Rosie, and and they certainly you know had a great season themselves, but unfortunately came a bit unstuck in um in the finals, and and that's coaching as well. Um, it's players and coaches. Like people were, I had people griping at me on Twitter when I said you know at halftime of the GWS game because I said it's not it, it's not all on the coaches. You know Butters, Rosie, and Wines are all quiet. Uh, whoop, apologies, my text message is going off. Meant to be in Do Not Disturb. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was I was mentioning, you know, I think Butters had nine, Rosie was seven, um, and maybe Wines. They're all under 10 possessions. And I said, it's not, you know, coaching is a part of it. Players need to take some responsibility. And people were grabbing, oh, don't you put it, it's not, not the player's fault at all. And some of the classic um, Port Twitter people. Um, you know, some people have meaningful discussions about and disagreements. Some people just call you a flog. Um, so there's there's two sides of the coin, and I always am happy to engage, um, happy to engage with the people that are, are respectful. But then um, some of the people were just straight up idiots about it. Um, I think I ended up getting blocked. So yeah, whatever. Uh, that's the thing. Like, and it's just so frustrating because there is a discussion to be had that it is both, and that's what I said. I said coaching is a part of it, but the players have to, and you know, Rosie and Butters and Wines collectively need to grab the game a little bit and you know that's you know butters and uh, butters and rosie are, you know they're still learning um so 
I give them a, a little bit of a break for that. And Butters certainly in the second half. I ended up thinking he ended up with 25 disposals for the game. So he tried to make an impact. But the game was, you know, GWS somewhat. Um, we're just, you know, playing with playing with a handy lead and just, you know, play the game on its merits at that point. And, as, and they did that very well. Um, Wines is one that, I, and I'll talk about it more in the review next week, that it concerns me. His year concerns me. Um... I think it's, it's incredible that he... Uh, I think he got zero Brownlow votes this year, which two years removed from getting 36 and winning it with a massive total that was a record-equaling total is a concern, considering his age is still... You know, Travis Boak's still racking up 15 to 25 votes at this age, uh, right through to a couple of years ago. I think he got 25 in the year that uh, Wines won it, which he was 32-33. Um, so Wines' year concerns me, and his impact in that game concerns me a lot. Um, his impact across the year has concerned me. Um, I thought he was coming good at different points, um, and he'd have some decent games, but then it would kind of fall away, and he just couldn't find any consistency. And whether that's injuries and... Um, no, I know he's a bit underdone coming into the season, but you know, players a lot of you know a lot of teams of players come in a little bit underdone. They find their way into the season. Um, you know, he's got to find a way uh, for to you know if he's got some major injury issues that we're not aware of. I don't know, but um, you know that's a concern, and I'll talk about it more in the review. But across the season but in this kind of game we need our leaders to stand up and you know some people might say well Boke as well but Boke's 35 like and his role his role did change a lot this year uh, I mean Wines did a little bit as well with those new guys coming to the midfield but Wines is his inside game and with the game the way it was going he should have found a way to be more impactful still I think um, in GWS and Brisbane as well um, the Brisbane game going back to that one I know I'm bouncing around a little bit but it's just more my collective thoughts on the two games because they kind of mirror each other a little bit the Brisbane game did have an element of bad luck in it in the sense that uh, you know right when we felt like we'd gotten back within a couple of goals I think it was when McKenzie went down I think Dylan Williams went off as well I'm, I'm just going off my memory here um, and we just were suddenly very very short in defence and, and Brisbane sniffed that and went at it and 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 took the game away from us in the next five to ten minutes, I think, at that point. Um, I think if that doesn't happen, maybe we hold the line a little bit more and the game's a little bit more competitive in the end. Um, but overall, Brisbane were the better team on the night. Um, you can talk about bad luck and all that stuff, but, um, you know, you you make your own luck a little bit as well. And if we'd been playing better and, and hadn't let those goals through in the end of the first half and gotten, it, gotten the game a bit more on our terms, at least into a bit of a dogfight, you know, maybe those injuries aren't happening. So... It's all sliding doors and all that kind of stuff, but I guess the overall thought to have with the the finals is it is once again, particularly GWS. Um, there's a lot of mirroring of uh, of uh, the Western Bulldogs in 2021. Obviously, the the end result wasn't nearly as bad, but I mean, well, the end result is we're out of finals, so yes, you could say it's just as bad. Um, you know, it wasn't on the level of embarrassment that the Western Bulldogs game was, but overall it's, it's a, it's a, just a, just an inability to overcome, um, a gauntlet and, you know, Hawthorne in 2014 and then even Richmond in 2020, we were close at the end and, and you, you know, you could call it heartbreaking and, and all those things. And, and, you know, Hawthorne were a juggernaut and Richmond were as well. Um, not that it's any excuse, but at least you can say, look, we're, we're in those games. It was within a kick. Um, 
you know, you can kind of reason your way out of it. The last two finals exits um, have both come to teams uh, not that aren't juggernauts, that are um, maybe potentially. Uh, well, Western Bulldogs are having their own issues since. Um, they're having their own issues in that game with some injuries. Uh, and GWS, um, massive respect to Adam Kingsley and everything he's doing there, but... Um, you know, we were able to turn them over by 50, 60 points a few weeks ago. Um, they had a few players back in, and I think um, it was a Bedford had a pretty good game, and he what didn't play a few weeks back. So, um, you know, there's little things like that, but it's an, it's the, the, the home final thing. It's just ridiculous that we seem to, you know, freeze under the lights. And I don't know what goes into that, the coaching elements of that, um the preparation elements. I remember talking about it after the Western Bulldogs were saying something. We need to figure. We need to figure this out because the home record in finals. I think they've seen all sorts of different stats popping around um, about the most most upset finals losses. And I think Port are four of the top twenty-five. I think you know, there's a couple from 0203 um, and then is the Bulldogs one in there? Or, can't remember. There's a the, we we have a lot of embarrassing um, finals losses, <laughs> um, and you know you've got, it's in the past now. You've got to own that and work out a way to move forward. But you need to own own it and accept it as well. And I think that's probably where the disappointment has been in the post-finals wake. Is uh, there hasn't been much accountability that we've seen, um, and that's why you know I, all season I I've tried to put my belief and trust in Ken and, and believing that things was changing, you know, he's coaching from the bench, all those things. Um, you know, I really, during the season, I take it, take the tact of trying to support as best as I can. I'll put criticisms out there when I, when I feel the need to, but you know, I just don't overall. And even when the coat, the, you know, the decision to resign him in August happened, I just, you know, kind of begrudgingly went, well, rock and a hard place. Um, you know, maybe it would have been a distraction. I still believe... I guess I ultimately think nothing, either or doesn't change uh, how it would have gone. But then do we... I, I don't know. I can't even imagine what we would have... What the media would have been like if we'd gone into these finals without the contract extension um, done. But then, you know, it would have left Port open to making a decision for the future after the finals. So, it is... It is ultimately backfired on Port, and that's the thing. That's what they—they they kind of—they tied their own noose, I guess, uh, by doing and making that decision. And I was happy to support it at the time, and just not support it, but just not. This is the thing. When you say support, I just don't get on Twitter and say I wish all these—you know—the people involved in these decisions would die a horrible death. You know, that's because that's kind of the tw- some of the Twitter discourse is just really horrible, and I try to find the middle ground in that. And sometimes, people, you know, it looks like support, but it's just more just trying to remain sane and not um, start thinking about, you know, death wishes for people that don't deserve them because it's, it's it's sport. It's very, it means a lot to us, but we don't have to be so mean about it, I guess, which is what I try to, I try to fight back against a bit is mostly my thing, but um, the, uh, the fallout with, yeah, what we want to see as Port fans is accountability. Um, you know, acceptance of 
you know, the, the creed speaks of if you know everything, everything's left on the field and all, all that stuff, and you and you still lose, and you know it's an honourable thing to you know honour can be found in loss if it's um, if, if every effort has been um, made to try to achieve the ultimate goal, and then you still fall, you know. And that's why I think Port fans over the last five to six, seven years have felt that not every effort's being made because we keep, you know, Hinkley keeps being re-signed. Um, certainly, list management decisions have been fairly voiced, uh, you know, fairly bold and 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 aggressive. Appreciate that. But then, when you can be so bold and aggressive with list management, not so much with coaching, it's interesting. When we we turned over, you know, Nathan Bassett has been told he's not going to be renewed for next year and um, that's probably one that's been on the should have been on the table a few years ago nothing against Bass but just felt like that you know that's been one of the key criticisms from a lot of fans over the years and you know so people might say well you know, you know at the time when he's part of the coaching it's just like well no we're happy with Bass but then they you know they're not renewing his contract it means that they know there's some change that needs to be happening um, so between that and then I think Kosh getting on radio and and being defensive against the fans and and all that stuff is really um, and with with making mistakes by saying we went out in straight sets in um, o two o three o one o two o three we didn't <laughs> we made prelims in o two and o three we won some not we won some finals pretty handily in that time um, we won the finals at home we didn't win the qualifying at home but it, we we at least won uh, one of the finals at home both of those years. Um, and straight sets, straight sets. People make a big deal about, um, you know, it's finals. You can lose, you can lose two in a row. It's um, not difficult, and it's become even more so over the last decade. I think it used to not be something that really happened, but now over the last decade, it's happened more and more. Um, so, but yeah, with Kosh getting on radio and being defensive and attacking the fans and saying, you know, fans have short memories, but then making a faux pas as as significant as that. And I mentioned it on Twitter. I said. Every Port fan that was around at that time, and even the ones that are pretty dyed-in-the-wool Port fans that are younger and have gone back and, and learnt about a history, know exactly what happened at that time. Um, so you, you don't want to get on the wrong side of Port fans in the, in, the, in the sense of attacking our knowledge and attacking our passion for the game and attacking our understanding of Port's history and then make a massive mistake. And that's what I think the fallout from this final series is. It wouldn't be as bad if we were seeing accountability, but we're not. And we're, and, and the fans that are frustrated um, is completely understandable and completely valid. Do I want to see the you know defacing of signs and, and people getting on Twitter and attacking, attacking some of the people involved at the club um, quite viscerally and personally? No, there's, that stuff's not on. And I, I don't. That's why I try to push back on that. But I do think warranted criticism, which there's a fair few people out on social media. They just they're always you know they always look quieter because they're just saying things you know nicely rather than um, aggressively. Um, you know, there's a time and a place for protest. Um, you know, when the rights of women are being taken away or you know you know in minorities are being gunned down in the streets. You know, a little bit more visceral protest is fine. Um, the football club is in a decent position, you know, in many respects. The coaching and the on-field and all those things are a major issue. But we've just got to try to find a way. And you can vote with your wallet if you want, if you don't want to renew membership. I don't recommend doing that because I think um, I think that's a sing when you're winning attitude. Uh, but, you know, people are 
welcome to do with with their money what they will. Um, but I'd recommend sticking fat is my I guess my thing. I messaged a buddy earlier and we were talking about because Portland Trailblazers fan over here, so obviously. Um, <laughs> Obviously, we've had a big couple of days with Damian Lillard finally being traded, which we knew was happening, and and we're actually pretty stoked with the return on that. Um, but he, you know, he's he's my buddy's a Portland born and raised lad. Um, met him at university thirteen years ago, and he's best mate. Like he's one of the groomsmen in my wedding a few years ago. All that stuff. So we text every day, and we're talking today, and um, he he's he sends me a picture of him. Uh, like sc- screenshotting, unfollowing uh, Yusuf Nurkic, which was another player involved in the trades. He's been a he's been a <laughs> um, critique of Yusuf Nurkic over the years. Um, centre for Portland, if you're not a basketball person, he's just a player that. Um, so he's unfollowing him on 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 Instagram, and I was just like, I need to do that for Dame now as well. And he was just like, Yeah, I'm just being petty, and I was like, I get it. Like you know, I, I have no not much interest in you know following players that are no longer parts of my teams on social media either. Um, and uh, he said, and then he go, and then he's just because he's so jaded at this point, and you know, I I tell him it's some some ways similar to being a Port fan at times. Um, he said, "Oh, I look forward to Scoot Henderson, who is a guy that we just drafted, asking for a trade in three to eight years. Like he just thinks it's just going to keep cycling over and over and over again." Um, and I just texted back, but we'll still be there, right? Like he goes, "Yeah," and I was just like, "Yeah, I look forward to you know six, when we're in our sixties having a." complaining about the exact same things we're going to a game we're drinking whatever the new craft beer craze in portland is we're going to be sitting there complaining about the exact same thing that's the thing i wouldn't have it any other way i would have port winning more and have a premiership or two in the last 10 years um but with the choice being not being an active supporter of my club and 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 just walking away from it I can't do I can't do that, and you know if people want to actually just you know I can't do the fan thing anymore and walk away, that's fine. But I I, I always find it interesting that people you know do that. Oh, I'll be back when when things are better, and I just you know you that's a little bit flaky for me. That's my opinion. Um, if you're listening to this and think that that's unfair, that's fine. Um, I just think if you're gonna Going to walk away from something then, because I know that the next time we win a premiership, and we will win another another premiership, there'll be those ones, those people, if they come back, they'll be singing like they were fans for years, and they'll be saying it's one of the best days of their lives, and I'll just sit there and think, well, you walked away for a while there, so, you know, you've got to, I think part of the journey of a sports fan, part of the journey in life, and anything is, there's ups and downs, and there's some real heartbreak at times, Um, I've lost family members this year have almost lost family members in some pretty terrible circumstances and um then you know a few weeks later or a few months later we're hanging out and having you know when things are healthy again um i'm not going to get into the details of that but some pretty tough stuff happened this year and it's a lot more serious than sports but you know you can kind of align your thinking in the sense that you know this stuff will pass it will pass ken won't be coached forever um and i I do genuinely have the belief that this contract is his last one unless he wins the next two premierships and they go well fuck it you know if he wins two in a row then there's no way that they're gonna probably not re-sign him and you know to be fair if he wants two in a row he probably earns it um but I genuinely have the belief that if, if next year starts going terribly, I think he'll be gone pretty soon. Um, 
I do genuinely have the belief that Josh Carr is going to be the next coach of Port Adelaide, and um, I think plenty of people will be happy with that. Um, some people think think he was coach for a certain amount of time this year, but not all of it, um, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a rough fallout from these finals, and I uh, I respect everyone's. I, I that's why I like to have the discussions with the people that are respectful about this stuff. Um, I do respect everyone's opinions unless you're being a dickhead about it and I do understand the people the people that are more visceral and, and get a bit personal about Ken they do have their point I actually agree with beyond their execution of it right like them really really viscerally not liking Ken as coach like Ken Hinckley coaching the club I do have an agreement with that I just I'm I'm jaded and tired of it as well and um and I tried to give myself hope this year that it would end in a different way and it didn't and uh, I'm right back you know it's I think Monty on Twitter you know, anyone that's on Twitter knows Monty Chokito um he's a great fella uh, he always tweets that port fan cycle thing where it's we, we get hope we get our hopes up we get you know we get burned and then it goes around in a circle um you know and depending on what week it is it's he'll, he'll post it and be like what stage are we at port fans and and for a few weeks there we were just hopes up hopes up hopes up and you know i was there for a while but when it ends the same way it's you know it's that song and it's the same as it ever was it's the same as it ever was and it's just it's tiring so i understand everyone's feelings and the and the and the quite strong feelings and that's what's great about this club is there's a real passion and deep passion for it um that's rooted in in heret and like and it's passed down and through history of families and and all that stuff and it's deeply ingrained in the in the culture and the community of port adelaide and all that stuff it's there but um so I, yeah it's been a tough tough couple of weeks <laughs> for the the afl men's side um Obviously, there's the the extra story of um, Travis Bogue, which looks like he's re-signing. I haven't seen anything yet. If I've missed it overnight, um, that's my bad. But um, yeah, it's a tough couple of weeks. But my all I all I'll say about it is, yeah, I agree with a lot of what people have to say about where where the direction of the club is going, coaching wise. Is just feels like we're treading water, um, or running on a hamster wheel, whatever um, an analogy you want to use. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, this will pass is all I'll say about it, really. Um, I think that's the best way to finish up on it. Um, I think I meant to do this at the start, but then got wrapped up in my own stuff, which is um, a bit uh, <laughs> not not good of me when I'm talking about something so, so important to our club's history. Uh, but um, to, I have to end by giving a quick... Um, you know, tribute to the great Jeff Motley that passed um, the other day, a couple of days ago. Um, I said on Twitter, Port Adelaide is a club, you know, there's clubs in world history that have such, like, venerable traditions just just steeped in history, carved into carved into marble, you know, it's kind of like, you know, histories that if you put, put them on, put them on, um, tried to find an image that would... Uh, would like align with it, it would be like the Colosseum, uh, you know, the Colossus of Rhodes and all those kind of things um, that, well, I can't, Colossus of Rhodes is one of the seven wonders that isn't no longer there. So that's probably a bad, bad analogy, but things that historically the image is just in your mind. You just, you know, you know, the, the ancient Rome, all those things that have so much, there's so much bits of history about it that you just, you don't know where to start. And Port Adelaide, like the New York Yankees, like the Liverpool Football Club, um, they have countless, countless players um, that 
you know, you know, you look at other clubs, some clubs that haven't been as lucky to have as longer histories or as uh, rich histories. They still have their champions, but clubs like you know the Yankees that you know they have their mon- you know Monument Park that just is just the, the Yankees are going to run into trouble with retired numbers at some point. That's just how many great players they've had, and um, and uh, you know clubs like Liverpool and Real Madrid and all that there's the 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 endless list of um, great players that wandered through their walls uh, wandered through their halls um, and Port Adelaide's like that with the likes of you know uh, Russell Ebert and the Kale and the Williams and and the the, the Phillips all the names that you hear um, you know family names that have been there but then you know, your Scotty Hodges or your Tim Evans or your Tim Ginever George Fiaggi. Um there's so many names but Right up there, um, in the at the top tier, um, and arguably, I think you know Ebert's pure play was obviously um, incredible and and had such an impact. But when you look at the, the list of accolades, Jeff Motley's right up there with uh, at with the very best. You know, he's nine premierships. He was part of the six in a row. He was captain. He was captain coach. He was he was a McGarry medalist. He's in the he's in our, he's in our all time. I think it was 2001 or was it 2001 that we named that greatest Port Adelaide side of all time um, or of the last you know 130 years I guess uh, I'm trying to find it here in 2001 yeah he was named on the halfback flank in Port Adelaide's greatest team of all time so when you're being named in the greatest team of all time that puts you in a in a different sphere because there's a lot of names that are steeped in Port Adelaide history that weren't a part of that team but Motley was there Um Played for South Australia, like I said, captain. Um, he's a Port Adelaide Premiership captain. He was a Port Adelaide Premiership coach. He was a nine-time Premiership player. He's a four-time Port Adelaide Best and Fairest. He was a Meg Airy medalist in 1964, which was um, really at the tail end of his career um, as a player as well. Um, Australian Football Hall of Fame, South Australian Football Hall of Fame, um, and obviously all the accolades and life memberships of Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, is um, I'm just reading. Obviously, um, I wasn't around for this, so I'm just refreshing my memory. I've, his name is the Jeff Motley Race at Adelaide Oval. Is what the Port Adelaide players run through every week. Um, so it's you know that's just where he is. Is and um, as of a lot of the stories of him as a person, both on and off the field, are just that he um, you know he's just a stand-up guy. Stood for what was right, no bullshit, um, and really just was just the quintessential hard tough Port Adelaide player but fair um what's amazing um I think I knew this but I just I was reminded of it and it just kind of stunned me again um he was never he was never dropped from the league team so that's one one thing because it's just to have that longer of a career you know 12 13 years um at a club and never once get dropped uh just shows the consistency of play um and then he was never reported either now we're talking fifties footy. We're talking, you know, it's just, you know, eighty years ago now. Players got reported a lot, you know. I mean, they there was they got a lot wailed a lot more as well. But you know, when you're having that longer a career, um, that many games, you know, two hundred fifty eight games support. You think playing in that that era, um, you might just cop a report here and there, even just a report, you know, whether it's a suspension or whatever, but just never reported. So that just shows that kind of skill he had um to play at that level um for the club uh and and 
play the style of football that was required uh, to be a success and the ultimate success at that time as well. You know, again, nine premierships. You're winning. Pre- he's had more premiership years than he ha- didn't. You know, when you're having that kind of career, nine out of nine out of twelve years. Um, you know, that's. You know, Tom Brady wishes he had that kind of um, level of winning percentage across his years of his career, and he had one of the best. Um, so. It's an incredible career and a great loss to Port Adelaide because he did so much in the in the time after he, he was around the club a lot and um, really the history of the club and and everything was so much a part of him and and him his his legacy was so much about you know pro, you know holding up the ideals of Port Adelaide and continuing that and you know there's, I think I saw um, a few people posting the photos of him and Travis Boak walking through that race at Adelaide Oval when we were moving there and you know so there's there's these in depth, there's these links between our different historical paths and and through our history um, and so it's a great loss and and you know we've lost Ebert in the last couple of years and now we've lost Motley and um, you know this is just part of it um, there's plenty of legends from these years that we're probably unfortunately going to lose in the next few years but um, it's important to honor the legacy and probably one of the things I was thinking about as I was this kind of news hit was that's kind of why I find the prison bars thing always important it, like and it's not like I want to wear it all year or anything because I know some people do push for that but just once a year um, or twice a year would have been nice but you know once a year to honor that legacy is to and because as I've said before, history sometimes needs to be put in front of people to understand, and we we constantly get our history belittled by opposition clubs because they they like to think that we accept, you know they have their false ideas of what our history is, and and they belittle it and don't and don't you know a lot of them wouldn't have heard of Jeff Motley or some some of them might have heard of Russell Lilly but didn't re- didn't really know who he was and. Um, or have any idea of what his legacy was at Port, and you know, so every time the prison bar Guernsey gets worn, maybe maybe we can try and educate. You know, maybe one person goes and looks up the history of Port a little bit more, and looks up these names that played for him, and and slowly through the years we can maybe get a little bit more respect for our history and what what the reason Port Adelaide is in the national competition is is that history of that jumper and the history of the likes of and what Jeff Motley did at that time. Um, you know, along with the Williams and all those blokes that played back then, was um, or coached, uh, was they laid the groundwork for what the the uh, the history of the club would be and the and the ethos of the club would be and and the success of the club in the future. You know, I don't we don't have that success in the eighties and nineties um, that gets us into the SN, uh, SNF gets us from the SNFL to the AFL. I think without the the predecessors like Jeff Motley and and. Uh, and and the, the the unprecedented era of success they had at that time, um, so you know a big tribute to the Motley family and and to the memory of Jeff Motley. Um, and I think every Port fan owes owes his memory. Um, you know to to continue to be um, passionate about this club and and uh, you know as I said earlier, all these things that are happening at the moment will pass at some point. And we will have success in the future, and 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 that success uh, forever will always have the likes of the names of you know the names like Jeff Motley and Russell Ebert and so on and so forth attached to it, because we're not here without what they did in the past, and you know to honour their legacy is to continue being passionate about the club, um, and for the players and coaches to continue um, finding a way forward. Um, lastly, um, fuck the AFL for not having acknowledged this at all yet. By the way. 
what the fuck are you doing? You know, I know it's grand final week, but if Ron Barassi had died this week, they would have fucking had everything about it. And no shade to Ron Barassi. He deserved the accolades and the talk and the, and people discussing whether it should be the Ron Barassi Cup um, when he passed. Um, and I apologise if that sounded a bit strong, me saying, fuck the AFL and because of, because of but I'm using Ron Barassi as an example of what the equal treatment should be for the likes of Jeff Motley. So it's um, still an issue that we, unfortunately, we're dealing with with the SNFL, uh, the SNFL, the VFL, um, you know, treating their history a little bit more differently than they should um, an equally an equally unparalleled success, uh, unparalleled era of success that Port Adelaide had in the, this competition that got us into the AFL. And, um, and the SNFL at the time was strong. Um, so, you know, we're a Champions of Australia kind of team and all that stuff. So it is very disappointing to see the AFL has refused to acknowledge it in any major way, shape or form. And again, that's why with the prison bar and all that stuff to continue fighting for that future is, is important. So anyway, that podcast was a bit of a disaster. I feel like I apologize, but I just wanted to get my thoughts kind of unfettered, unfiltered out, um, out into the ether and, and you can take, take it for what you will. I'm still trying to, you know wrap my thoughts on the season and like I said I'll have a bit more of a comprehensive just idea of a uh, uh, review of it next week but that's just my thoughts and how it, how it all finished up and how disappointing it was and um, yeah so we go again in 2023 as far as AFL men's goes men's go <laughs> alright until next time count the pair oh by the way uh this one will release first, but then I, I'm going to record it in probably an hour or so and be released at a similar time. I'll be just wrap, um, do a quick wrap on everything that's been happening with the AFL women over the last couple of weeks. So that'll be out as well. Give that a listen. Count the pair. <laughs>